Just Life, a programme from Radio Maria England. Hello everybody and welcome this morning on Just Life. We have Marcella Alatore. Good morning, Marcella. Good morning, Elizabeth. Thank you for having us and happy feast day of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception. Thank you so much and to you too. Um, Marcella has been on Just Life a few times before. She has spoken about anemia, children's creativity, necklaces and the Mexican day of the dead. Uh, Marcella is originally from Mexico, but has been living in London for the last 30 years. And coming up on the 12th of December is the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And uh, Marcella, as a Mexican, is very well placed to share with us the message of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And Marcella is also a consultant for Mexican culture. So good morning, Marcella, and a very warm welcome once again to Radio Maria. Thank you for joining us and over to you. Thank you, Elizabeth, <clears throat> and good morning to everyone. I'm, we're first, I'm going to give you a little bit of the structure of the talk because this is the main feast in Mexico is the 12th of December. Our Lady of Guadalupe is a national feast day where we dance, we sing, we celebrate, we pray, of course, and we visit the, the church. If you can go to the Basilica in Mexico City, it is the largest festivity. It's, it's a feast where we celebrate our mother in heaven, um, Our Lady, the mother of God, who he has given to us as our own mother, full of tenderness, compassion. So I want to explain to you why is the most visited um, church in the world. We have 20 million visitors every year and is the third one in the whole world, even more than Mecca, more than Rome. And why is devotion started so First, I will speak the first part. I will speak about the apparitions, the five apparitions that Our Lady had in Mexico. And in the second part, after we listen to more music, we will go into the details of the tilma, of the image. And then we go for the questions or comments, or if you want to give your testimony of the faith you have and your prayers or how Mary works in your life to take us to Jesus. But if we want to start warming up the day, Elizabeth, I would love if you uh, present the first song from Ignacio de Jerusalén, who was an Italian composer who lived, he was in Mexico, and he composed the Matins for Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is very interesting. We're having the talk this day because her first apparition was at dawn on the 9th of December. So sometimes the, the Vespers start from the evening of the 8th, which is the, the Lady of Her Immaculate Conception, just getting ready to receive Our Lady of Guadalupe and, and the homage for her apparition. So thank you. Thank you, Marcella. This is Vidi Speciosam Sicut Columban.
Thank you very much. So we start the talk and, and I just want to say some of the research I have done is from the the book based the book uh, from the author Paul Bade, who was a journalist and is now a journalist in the Vatican. He's from Germany. He wrote a book called La Morenita and also the talk by Dr. Andres Brito. He's a Spanish expert in the Holy uh, Shroud of Turin and also a Jesuit priest that I will mention at the end. But uh, so it's all well documented. And if you have questions at the end, oh, it's Padre Jorge Loring. He's a Jesuit scientist, priest, expert also for 10 years studying Our Lady of Guadalupe. So we have, thank God, we have historical documents telling us about this apparition. And the first one documented was by Padre Juan Gonzalez. He was a secretary and interpreter. He tells us for Fray Juan de Sumarraga, who was the first bishop of Mexico. The first bishop did not speak Nahuatl, which is the language of the Aztecs. And Padre Juan Gonzalez tells us a short story about the apparition. We have to put into context how Mexico was before the apparition. It wasn't even called Mexico. It was called Tenochtitlan. And it was a very divided place because they had over 300 different indigenous groups. And the Aztecs were dominating them. You know, we have to go historically from Mexico, from the Olmecs, to the Mayans, and then the Mexicas, the Totonacas, Chichimecas, there's so many tribes of Indians. But the Mexicas were uh, so submissive to the Aztecs who had all the power and they were more, they had their warrior god with Chilopostli. And they had atrocious and horrendous human sacrifices with victims of war. So it was a very bloody religion. They were good in astronomy. They could predict the eclipses and the, the, the stars, the, the constellations. They were very, they, they were very capable of this because their numerical system went up to twenty. They have a vigesimal uh, way of counting. They they look at their feet and hand instead of just the decimal system that we have. So. When the Spanish came and said, if you don't convert, the sun will go out because an eclipse was coming. Well, they didn't, be, they didn't believe it. They already knew the next eclipse and the next one in the 52 years, they could predict the eclipses because they could count with their hand and feet as well. So they were not very submissive, the Aztecs, to the conversion from the, from the Spanish. But they, they had already baptized and they were educating in the faith. This is 40, the, the apparition happens in 1531. So it's 40 years after Columbus, 10 years after Hernán Cortés. So the, let, let's go back to the historical facts where Fray Juan de Sumarga is the first bishop of Mexico and what Padre Juan González tells us. We also have the Nican Mopoa, which means here I tell you, and it's the most ancient text about the apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe. They are written by Antonio Valeriano, who was a Mexican Indian. And now, if from now on, if I refer to Indians, of course, we have to mention is Mexican Indians that I'm talking about. He was 
Antonio Valeriano was very cultured, incredibly cultured. He spoke Spanish, Latin, and Nahuatl. He was governor for a long time, and he heard directly from Juan Diego the stories, and he finished writing them in 1548 after Juan Diego and Fray Juan de Sumarga had passed away. Now he tells us that on December of 1531 in Tenochtitlan, Our Lady appears to Clautowak. His, the name, that was the original name of Juan Diego, which means the one who speaks like an eagle. He was a Mexica and he was born in 1474. He was baptized Juan Diego and he had recently converted. He was a widower and he was quite old. He was 57 years old. So he was going to the missionaries to Tlatelolco to have the instruction on the faith. And as he passed the small hill of Tepeyac, it's about a 40 meter high mountain. This happens at dawn, the morning of the 9th of December of 1531. He was attracted by the song of birds, a beautiful singing of birds. And he witnessed the apparition, the first apparition. And he sees this beautiful lady with long hair, which means she's a virgin, she's not married. And <clears throat> he calls her my little mother, my little mother of heaven. And in Mexico, we say when we make something little, it, it's a way of putting it in our heart. When we put something or someone is dear to us, like uh, we would say Marcela, well, they call me Marcelita. So Our Lady calls him Juanita, Juanito. But this beautiful lady who spoke to him with the most tender words, and it's reproducing the text. And this is possible because the Indians didn't know how to read and write, but they had amazing memory. So when Our Lady approached Juan Diego, she calls him Juanito with such a dignity. He was a very poor man, but to be treated with such a dignity impacted him. And she asked him, where are you going, my little son? Be certain that I am the perfect, always virgin, holy Mary, mother of the true God for whom we live, the creator of people, the owner of heaven and earth. Every time Mary has appeared, she has a message, a, pur a purpose, and a request. So <clears throat> she tells him, I wish very much that you will build here my holy little house where I will show him. I will give him to people with all my personal love and the compassion of my eyes in help and salvation. Of course, when she refers to him, Mary, she doesn't want us to worship her. She wants us to take us to Jesus, to God. And she says, because I am your compassionate mother, yours and for all the men on earth. I will listen there, she refers to my little house that she requests to be built, to your sadness, to your lamentations and cry, so we can heal your sorrows, misery and pain. Now, Juan Diego hears the message. He's just amazed by her beauty and her tenderness. 
and he goes to the bishop's palace and tells him the message. Now, the bishop <clears throat> Sumarra does not believe him. And he tells him, come back the next day so we can assess the matter calmly. And then the second apparition, he goes back and he finds our lady again. And he tells her, like many prophets that are commanded something by God. And this is the real difference between Our Lady and the different prophets. He is a little bit reluctant and he says, well, I am nobody. I am a poor Indian. Send somebody better than me so they will believe him. I am just a very normal man. And <clears throat> Mary answers him again with assurances and tenderness. She says, I have enough people to serve me, but it is essential that you do this personally. And I beg you and I ask you that my little son, you go tomorrow to see the bishop and tell him my will, the, the, my will, what she requests to, to build her little house, to have a temple where we, she can show us God and take us to God. Now, he leaves her and promises that he will insist and go back as she requests. She, he goes back to the bishop's palace and has a second meeting with him. His servants were bullying him because he was poor, a poor Indian. And they, he finally enters the palace and the bishop asks for a sign. He said, ask this lady to give you a sign. And the two, he asks, the, the bishop asks the two servants to follow Juan Diego. And as they do that, approaching the mountain, Juan Diego suddenly disappears. So the servants come back with a message to the bishop saying that he was just making up stories instead of saying he disappeared in front of our eyes and we couldn't follow him. <clears throat> now, excuse me, the third apparition, he... Our Lady finds Juan Diego in the mountain again and says, Juan Diego tells her, the bishop doesn't believe me. Give me something so I can show him you are in front of me. And then Mary listens to the request of the bishop and she agrees to give a sign. She's loyal to our Lord's project. And she's, she tells him, you will come back tomorrow so I can take... Uh, so I can give you the sign that the bishop has asked, and he will believe you. I will repay you for what you have done for me. <clears throat> now, but as we know, when God asks us for a mission, sometimes the enemy, or many times the enemy, will always get on the way, especially if this mission is to bring goodness and people closer to God. So Juan Diego lived with his uncle, he looked after his old uncle, who was Juan Bernardino. And as he was supposed to go back for, the, for Our Lady to give him the sign, Juan Bernardino is very ill and he feels he's dying. So Juan Bernardino tells Juan Diego, please go and find me a priest so I can have my last confession. He had converted as well. That's what his name is, Juan Bernardino. And Juan Diego was in a dichotomy he didn't know either to go and find the priest for his uncle who was dying or to go and listen to our lady's message so he tries to go and escape the route he usually took to go to the mountain 
what Our Lady finds him again. <clears throat> and he, she approaches him without reproach, without telling him off, just with the most tender, loving words of a mother. And this we have to be, this is the fourth apparition. And she asks him, Juanito, in the most beautiful way, where are you going, Juanito? And he just answers, how are you, my little girl from heaven? And she asks, what can I do for you? He explains to her about his ill uncle and how he first needs to find a priest and then she will do, he will do her request. But here, <clears throat> she, it's amazing because as many prophets, they hesitate like, uh, like Jonah did, like, okay, send somebody else or I'll do it later. So Juan Diego is also in that predicament. When we see Mary's fiat, she doesn't hesitate. She says, let God's will be done on me. But, and <clears throat> so Mary is telling Juan Diego, put that in your heart, my little son, as, she, as San Lucas tells us that Mary does. So do not be disturbed by any illness, nor your face or in your heart. And then these are the most amazing words that she says, and they are engraved in the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And when you see the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, they usually come with these words underneath and says, am I not here? I am your mother. So she reassures us of that mother, motherly love that will look after us at all times unconditionally. Am I not here? I am your mother. And she says, are you not under my shadow and care? Am I not the fountain of your happiness? Are you not in my cape and my crossed arms? Do you need anything else? Do not be afflicted by the illness of your uncle because he will not die now. Be assured that he has healed. Now, this is something beautiful. And now Juan Diego is a saint, San Juan Diego. John Paul II made him a saint in 2002. And there was a miracle for his canonization, which I can tell you at the end. But Juan Diego happily trusted her and completely trusted her. So he said, she tells him, go up to the hill of the Tepeyac and bring me the flowers that you will find. Now, this apparition was the 12th of December, and that's why we celebrate Our Lady of Guadalupe on this day. Juan Diego goes up and he finds the mountain totally lit with amazing light. Even the thorns of the roses were glowing. He finds roses from Castile, Castilla, which are not original in Mexico. They're not indigenous uh, um, type of rose that grows there. And especially during winter, he sees their beauty, their colors. He collects them and puts them in a tilma or ayate, and he was wearing this kind of uh, like a rope, but with a cloak in front, which is like about a meter and a half length, where the Indians collect the harvest, or if they go to the market, they put the shopping there, they just fold it over, and it's made of agave fiber, or sometimes um, the cane sugar, the, the cane fiber, but this one was made of agave. And it's a natural fiber, but it destroys usually between 60 to 80 years. 
Anyway, he's caring. He goes there, he collects the roses and puts them in his tilma or ayate and folds it over. They're iridescent and the perfume that they have is just astonishing. She takes them, he takes them to Our Lady and she touches them and puts them in order in his clothes. And she says to him, these are the proof that the bishop requested. It's in you that my trust is. Show this to him and tell him the story so he will build me a little house. He goes up to the bishop's palace and he sees the servants who bully him again. And they try to steal from him whatever he's carrying that is so precious, he doesn't even take off his hat. He's just holding it to his chest and says that he will not move from there until the bishop sees him. Finally, the bishop asks to see him and Juan Diego tells him the story. And when he opens the clove in front of the bishop and his helpers, the image, as, as the roses drop down, the image appears. So anyway, this is uh, the bishop kneels and he's the first one to venerate the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. But we will continue after the next song, Elizabeth, if you want to play La Guadalupana. Thank you so much, Marcella, for such um, an amazingly captivating introduction. So let's have a listen to La Guadalupana. Thank you. Del cielo una hermosa mañana, desde el cielo una hermosa mañana, la Guadalupana, la Guadalupana, la Guadalupana bajo el tepeyac, suplicante juntaba sus manos. Y eran mexicanos, y eran mexicanos su fuerte y su paz. Junto al monte pasaba Juan Diego, junto al monte pasaba Juan Diego. Y acercóse luego, y acercóse luego, y acercóse luego al oír cantar. Juan Dieguito la Virgen le dijo Este cerro el hijo, este cerro el hijo Este cerro el hijo para ser mi altar Desde entonces para el mexicano Desde entonces para el mexicano Ser guadalupano Ser guadalupano, ser guadalupano es algo esencial. En sus penas se postra de hinojos, en sus penas se postra de hinojos. Y eleva sus ojos, y eleva sus ojos, y eleva sus ojos hacia el Tepeyac. 
tilma entre rosas pintadas, en la tilma entre rosas pintadas, su imagen amada, su imagen amada, su imagen amada se dijo a dejar. Desde el cielo Marcella, we actually have a call for you. I hadn't opened the phone lines officially, but it's so fascinating what you're saying. And we have Alessio on, on the line. Alessio, you're through to Marcella. Hi, Marcella. Thank you so much for sharing um, the story of uh, the appreciation of uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. I wanted to ask, um, because I read a little bit about the apparition of uh, Guadalupe, about the... Uh, conversion of Mexicans, how it was, um, people were struggling, I mean, the Spaniards were struggling to convert anyone, and after, you know, the apparition, you know, this apparition, there was a mass, you know, conversion in South America, and also how that stopped, I don't know if the Aztec or some of the indigenous uh, population we're still doing some uh, human sacrifices. How you not know, that stopped? Yes. Do you want me to tell you a little bit about it, then, Alessio? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, be... yes, please, yes. Yes, this was going to be the second part. All oh, right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just want to finish the the, the apparition and the first miracle okay. Our Lady does is on her fifth apparition. So as Juan Diego opens the cloak and the roses drop and her image, and we'll talk about the image in a little bit, and all the, the pictogram, what it represents. At the same time, Mary, Our Lady of Guadalupe, appears to the uncle, to Juan Bernardino, and she declares to him her name, which is very meaningful because in Nahuatl, it means I am Mary, the mother of God, and her name is Tecuatlazupe. Tecuatlazupe means the one who stay, steps on the snake. So he comes the apocalyptic lady. And there is a controversy on the name because the Spanish didn't know Tecuatlazupe. They couldn't understand the Nahuatl. And they reminded them of Our Lady of Guadalupe, who also is from Extremadura, from Cáceres, and Hernán Cortés was from that area. He was very devout. So he, he, they understand, oh yes, uh, the mo mother of God is appearing, so it must be Guadalupe, but it was Tecuatlazupe. And this is very interesting on your question because she's the one who steps on the snake and she appears in the Mount of Tepeyac. And that is where the, the Aztecs were worshiping their own deity, which was Tonantzin, and it was a snake goddess. Her two hands were snakes. Her skirt was made of snakes. And she is the mother of the Aztec god of war, which he costly, who, who needed to be fed 100,000 victims of war per year as human sacrifices. So, that's why they were so submissive to the Aztec warriors, because they would take all the prisoners of war and just kill them as human sacrifices. Because when they were, there was a lunar eclipse, they knew the sun would disappear. 
and the astronomical effects also in agriculture and so on. And they thought in order for the sun to come out again or there was solar eclipse, they, they which Chilopostli needed human sacrifices and they would give them the, the life that we have is our blood and the heart. So it was horrendous. And uh, so Tonantzin is the mother of Wichilopostli, and it, they, they did rituals in the Mount of Tepeyac, and that's exactly where Our Lady is appearing. So after her appearance, the first miracle is to Juan Bernardino, and then when Juan de Sumarraga starts worshiping, no, uh, venerating the image in the tilma, he puts it in his private oratory, and there are so many people coming to ask for miracles that they do a procession and they built a little church. Now, in 1976, they made the huge church. It's amazing. The basilica is made in the shape of her cape, the cape of Mary, where you can fit 50,000 people for mass, including the, the plaza that has outside. So it's one of the largest temples in the world. But the conversion happens in a decade and is the largest conversion ever after Pentecostes. Nine million indigenous people convert. Now, these were hard-headed people. They were warriors. You cannot convert them easily. And it's through the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe and the miracles that start happening. The main miracle, even besides the conversion to Catholicism, is the peace that is achieved, that the human sacrifices stop. And the, the message she comes to bring, because remember, in her apparition in Mexico, Our Lady of Guadalupe is a pregnant, she's pregnant. She's protector of the unborn. So you can just imagine how much the enemy hates that and what is happening in the world. She's being attacked as our faith is being attacked from every angle, but as protector of the own world, her message is universal. She brings a message of peace, not only in the whole of Mexico, but also between Mexico and Spain. She's the mother of the Americas. So that is why um, the conversion happens. I hope I'm uh, clear. I don't know if you yeah, have yeah, any yes, questions. Yes, yes, and, yes. And, and this is so touching. Uh, thanks for sharing that, Marcela. Thank oh, you so thank much, you. Alessio, you for, call. for calling in. Um, back over to you, Marcella. Yes, yeah, so anyway, we were going to the the symbols now. So the, the uncle Juan Bernardino is healed, and that is the fifth apparition, which also happened the 12th of December. And as we said, the Aztec dominated 300 tribes, and they were extraordinary astronomers. But what is happening on her apparition, there's a beautiful thing because there is, in 1531, we had the Halley Comet appears. That's big news for the Aztecs when the comet appears. There is also a moon, a lunar eclipse. The 12th of December is the winter solstice. The, the, the Gregorian can, calendar was not used. That would have been the 22nd of December, but they're using the Julian calendar so it is the 12th of December that is the, the winter solstice, which for the Aztecs is darkness is finished and the light is coming. 
there is also an earthquake. So it's astronomically, we are talking about the mother of God in an apparition and, and it is big news. And also they, they had a, an epidemic of smallpox, smallpox that was killing them and this is finished. So we had the conversion of the, the nine uh, million of Indians in Christianity, into Christianity. And it's Benedict XIV who received the copy and crowned her as Queen of America. She is, um, Pope Francis is a scientist in chemistry and he understands the science and also understands this as a miracle. There have been a lot of research done that I will go through. Um, the, the hair, the partition in the middle and the long hair means she is a virgin. And Hernán Cortés personally destroyed with a hammer uh, the, some of the temples of which Chilopostli were. There were 136,000 skulls. So this is, um, as it was recorded by Andrés Tapia, one of the researchers. So her real name was Tecuatlazupe, and we know her as Guadalupe and have reverence to her as Guadalupe. Now, this is a message of peace. We have to remember how Our Lady of Guadalupe unites the Mexicans, regardless of their faith, even Jewish Mexicans who live there or from other religions. As soon as we say Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mother of Heaven, everybody unites. We have 62 different indigenous languages still now, besides Nahuatl and Spanish. We have tribes from Olmecs, Zapotecs. We have Coras, Chichimecas, and Yaquis, Tehuanas. So, and they all worship Our Lady of Guadalupe. And for them, it's very, very important for all of us. We have friends who, who dance as matachines outside the church. Many of them go uh, with a lot of piety visiting the shrine. Now, when we study the cloak, this is a, the real miracle that scientists that said, well, this is where we can unite science and an apparition. And so there has been as much research as the Shroud of Turin, because this fiber should have been destroyed after 60 years and has been there for over 480 years. And it hasn't rotten. It has no, no worms, no dust, no uh, moths have touched it. It is the length of Our Lady in the image is one meter and 43 centimeters. And it follows the aureal proportion. Now, the what it's amazing is the pigment is not only on the front, it's impregnated in the fibers on the back of the cloth as well. Now, I am not a scientist. I'm not an expert on the Our Lady of Guadalupe, but I am an artist. I paint and I paint icons. I would never dare to paint in such a fiber. I, I would never choose that to paint on because it, it has huge holes. It's 11 strands per a square centimeter. And what it's amazing is, uh, it's astonishing, the cloak has not been prepared before using the pigments. I wouldn't even dare even to paint on, on a board if I'm painting an icon on, or even on wood without a primer or preparing my canvas. 
So that that has really puzzled scientists, and we have even the I'll mention their names, Nobel Prize winners in chemistry doing research on it. Another amazing fact that you can't explain is it has no brush strokes that you could find. And, and this is quite astonishing because any painting made by human hands, you need to find this, the brush stroke. It's very difficult to reproduce. I painted once an, an icon of Our Lady of Guadalupe and it took me one month. I can usually paint an image over seven days or 14 days, but just to focus on the tenderness of her eyes. It was the most difficult thing I've done. And uh, we have to say that the image has been retouched several times. So she appeared with a crown and then a bishop wanted to make a procession to crown her because the town was asking they, they, they really revered and venerated her. So they wanted to have a procession. So he raised the crown and then they retouched the nose, making it a smaller, giving her a double chin. And uh, they also have found that of all the pigments used, and this was a, the scientific research, they could not find, they said, this is not vegetable, this is not animal, this is not even synthetic pigments. Not, not mineral. So they're on the dress and the cape and her face, they could not tell where that pigment came from. Only the golden pigment of the rays, the stars, and the decoration of the dress, that has been retouched. We, we're not saying it was added, it was retouched with a known pigment. So it's filled of symbols. Uh, for the Indians, so the hair is down, the brooch she's using is a cross, uh, which is, they, they are amazed, the Indians, when they see this image that she has the same cross, she's of, of her son who died in the cross, so they could really understand, and that probably helped their conversion as well. So she was not worshiping the, their God, which she was, she was carrying on her chest the cross of Jesus. She has her hands together, which most of us think she's actually praying, but for the indigenous peoples to have the hands together means you have a present for them. And then she has a ribbon below her belly, which means she's pregnant. She's covered with 46 stars. So then the Indians understand who is this woman? They didn't know the apocalypse, which is the apocalyptic woman that is appearing, but She's stepping on a lunar eclipse because the moon is black. So said, what power does this lady have that she's covered with the sun? Uh, the sun is behind her. So that means the sun obeys to her. She has this covered with 46 stars on the cloak, which is being proved by astronomers that the stars on her cloak represent exactly the sky of the, the, the way the, the constellations were on the 12th of December. And we have the music. They have put those stars, and you can Google it and find out. They have put the stars on the musical notes scales, and they have made some music. Now, if you want to have a little break, we can listen to that music 
that is very, very beautiful. You can play a minute or two. Sometimes people play it for half an hour when they want to meditate. Thank but you. It's a, a Thank beautiful you. Thing Thank you, Marcella. Yeah, so this is the music from the Cape of the Virgin Mary. And the phone lines are open. Do call in on 01. 01- Two two three three seven five five six four oh one two two three three seven five five six four if you have any question or comment for Marcella this morning. have a call from Charles. Charles, you're through to Marcella. Hi, Marcella. Um, good morning, I, Dr. Wilson. Good morning. I, um, I, I'd heard a report, and I've never, I've never been able to find it, but the, there was a doctor who placed a stethoscope around the band of the killer and heard a heartbeat, which was going at, at that of a child, at, 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 uh, you know, slightly faster, so the heartbeat of a child in the womb. Now, I've never been able to find that again because I, I mentioned it to somebody. Do you know about that? And has yes, that yes, I have heard about it, doctor, and it's fascinating you mention it. There are a lot of skeptics, but there is also yeah. proof. We have the research from the ophthalmologist, and thank God when the image has been retouched, the eyes were never touched. So the yeah. eyes are the original. And they have the ophthalmologists, more than four ophthalmologists have looked at the image. And one of them even forgot that it was an image and they thought he thought it was live eyes. They, they look as if it were alive. The image is alive. And they can see 13 images reflected on both eyes. And that's what they were, Our Lady is looking at, at the time of the apparition, they have Fray Juan de Sumarraga with a beard, they have Juan Diego with a hat because he was protecting with both hands the roses that he didn't have time to take his hat off. There is even a, a lady of color who was the cook 
So the proof, and, and there's a beautiful book called The Eyes of Our Lady of Guadalupe, with all the research that was done recently in the 1990s by the ophthalmologist, I think it's Dr. Tosman, uh, is mentioned in, in, in some of the books, and the right. book, the, the research is done. I right. have also heard that the, and the research is done of the temperature of the body is 36.5 degrees, the, the temperature of the image, yeah. regardless of the environmental uh, climate that can go up to 30, 35 degrees, 40 degrees, the, the temperature of the cloak does not, is, remains constant. They have heard the heartbeat of a baby in the womb. Now, I haven't found the research, but what happened to me was a little miracle when I visited the shrine, uh, the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe, exactly on the 8th of December, four years ago, and there's some conveyor belts right in front of the image. The photograph I took shows as if it was um, a scan that you do on pregnant women. Well, it shows the light as the shape of a little baby right on the womb of Our Lady. So for me, it was I was just perplexed to, to have that photograph at the instant. And I had other friends who took the photo and it doesn't show on their picture. But oh. yes, I have heard of, of the, the heart palpitations that they yeah. have put with a stethoscope. But if I find the research, I, I will tell Elizabeth and let you know. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. I just say that one little anecdote from Radio Maria England is on the on that date, on the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, um, Pasquale and I went to see our bishop in East Anglia because we had the, the idea of starting Radio Maria England. And I said, it's, it's, you know, this is us coming to our bishop to say, let's, shall we build this radio in England? And that's when he gave us our, his blessing, said, go ahead. So five years ago on that feast is when the sort of the beginnings of Radio Maria England took place. So there was oh, another. <laughs> She's very, the Holy Spirit is, is, does not make mistake with the dates. It's all yeah. for us to understand that uh, that is his will. It's amazing, Dr. Wilson. Thank you so much, Charles, for calling okay. and for sharing that. I also have a question from Tim here in the studio. Uh, yes. yes. Um, I've, I've seen um, this image used in very interesting places. Like I once saw it on the bottom of a skateboard. Um, and um, I found that quite, it, it seems like it's come into popular art quite a lot. Um, and I wonder if maybe you had some comments on that. Thank God. And I'm usually don't get angry, Tim, but I'm <laughs> so glad you came with this. And we understand the way the enemy works. This is a very serious thing, and I would like everyone to understand, you know, and if there are any Mexicans listening, there's no joke about it. It is atrocious the way they are using the image. Not only the original image, but they have also made a cartoon looking like Our Lady of Guadalupe, which at the beginning, it was sweet and cute, an illustration for children's book, and they call it... Uh, Virgencita, please. Yes, like, like please, our, our lady helped us. They put the title to this cartoon, colorful image of our lady, and they start using it, okay, for presents for First Communion, 
And now it's even in handbags, it's in t-shirts. And it's, if I could tell you, there is a cream brand that has commissioned to put it in their boxes and packaging and lip balm, which is totally atrocious. You saw it in a skateboard, it's disturbing. And there is a limit. And if it was any other religion, they would uh, raise up against it. It should be forbidden. If I am not willing to put the image of my mother on a sticker on a book, on a skateboard or handbag of my own earthly mother, why should we use the image of our mother from heaven without reverence, without respect? It is not cute. It is not sweet. It is serious. It is the woman that Jesus has chosen, that God has chosen to come to earth. So anyway, it's, it's a very serious matter, and I wish people would understand and with criteria oppose to using this image in a light way. It is a, an image for reverence, for piety, and uh, it should bring us blessings. Anyway, I hope I supported your point because I am totally shocked and it's you have to be careful because it's even written in the Bible. It is not the original image that they're reproducing left and right as a fashion statement, comparing it and putting it at the level of Frida Kahlo, which is, is just outrageous. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I want to yeah. tell you another miracle, Tim. Did I answer your question? You did. I only had one comment is that um, I, I remember an opportunity when the when I saw the images, I I shared the story with um, a person who saw it, um, and it was a it was a chance to share the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and and he was very amazed by by the story. So even I agree with you that we shouldn't have these images in those ways, but they can also be opportunities to to share the story. There are when it's going, the heart is open, but not when it's going to end up in the rubbish bin as packaging or the True, cover yeah. of a lip balm. But yes, it, it could be, and God will always use it for good when the heart is ready. And there were two other amazing, I mean, there are miracles happening every day. Testimonies of 20 million people going to that shrine every year. There's so many, many testimonies that if you visit the Basilica, you can see the retablos on the back of all the miracles painted by when people were giving thanks. But two, another two miracles that happened to the image was when in 1795, they threw nitric acid to the image. It should have been destroyed. Hmm. Not only it was not destroyed, but this, the spot of the nitric acid is fading away. Wow. That is a huge miracle. It was 116 years without any protection and the, the fibers are still working. And also, on the 14th of November of 1921, Luciano Perez Carpio was a criminal, a paid criminal. He put dynamite in a vase with flowers in front of Our Lady in the altar that was more approachable before. This is 1921. And the glass from the church broke. There was an image of St. John the Baptist. The glass broke. <clears throat> the bronze crucifix that was next to the, 
where the flowers were put totally bent as if protecting the image of Our Lady, but the tilma it was not touched at all, nor the glass protecting it. And we have to ask, if it was a fake image, why would you hate it so much? Why would, if, why, if the enemy is not real, you know, why would you have such an attack towards it? So it's, um, it's very interesting what's happening, but if uh, I could go on and on of, you know, the, the angel with wings underneath the image is actually Juan Diego. It's not an angel. It's the face of Juan Diego, like Juan Dieguito, like the mm. child. And the wings are not of an angel. They are of an eagle, mm. because he's the one who speaks like an eagle. And the color of her cloak is the same as Moctezuma. And the flowers are the symbol of truth for the Indians. So when she decides that the proof or the sign requested by the bishop to be roses, she's saying this is a message and the message is truth. Anyway, I could go thank on you. forever, but thank you for having us in your program. And if you want to finish with the last song. Yes, thank up. you. Thank you so much, Marcella. And I just wanted to remind the listeners the church's feast day of Juan Diego, the 12th of December, the feast day. So the 9th of December is Juan Diego and the 12th is Our Lady of Guadalupe. So if you don't know, um, if you didn't know before Marcella's program too much about Our Lady of Guadalupe, do take this uh, these days as a time to investigate and find out more. And thank you so much, Marcella, for sharing so beautifully this morning. And this is La Mua Que Yo Amo by Juan Gabriel. Do you want to say anything about this, Marcella? Yes. Uh, he was a music composer. He's one of the best, uh, more modern composers. He made this beautiful song for Our Lady. I just wanted to share... Elizabeth, the names of the two researchers, Dr. Richard Kuhn, who was a Nobel Prize of Chemistry in 1938, who he is the one who's saying that the pigments were not of a known origin, no natural animal, mineral, nor synthetic. And also Philip Callahan from Kansas University, who put the infrared light and ultraviolet light, and that's where they found the, the retouchments on the gold only they could find that. It was highlighted on the top, not added. And also Manuel Ramos in, in 1923, he's the one who said that it was retouched. And the ophthalmologist, it was Dr. Enrique Gave. He was the rector of the University of Autonoma, Universidad Autónoma de Mexico. So they're not just any researcher, they're top, top scientists looking at the image. But thank you again. Thank you so much, Marcella, for sharing your expertise with uh, the Radio Maria listeners this morning. Thank you.
cara muy bella Veo la fe de mi pueblo En su manto de estrellas La mujer que me encanta Es de España su venia Ella empera otras tierras Y en la mía es una reina la mujer que idolatró es la India. 